Welcome to 239 Uncensored. Everything Southwest Florida and beyond with your host, Tim Jurett. This podcast covers it all. Real talk on issues from real estate to real crime. Join the discussion on hot topics to politics. Don't get left behind. Be in the know about everything Southwest Florida and beyond. Welcome, 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 239. Let's say it's Florida and beyond. And we have one of my favorite people of all time, uh, John Scaduto. John Scaduto. Welcome to the studio, John. What, how, what do you think about this place? I think it's cool. Your favorite of all time. Thank you very much, Tim. <laughs> we've, got, how, we've known each other for what, 13 years? 13 years, and I still have the letter when I was thinking about coming down here. Um, you got the letter from me looking for a ride-along. And I have the letter that you did, and at that time, you were overseeing the gang unit that I was supposed to write with the gang unit. Brings us into what you're here for. So John is a gang expert all over the country. We have some a lot of things we've done together. You teach for all kinds of all kinds of places, St. Pete College. Yes, sir. MCTFT, yep. which is a multi-jurisdictional counter-drug task force. You got it. And uh, I also used to teach there, but... John has got a lot of knowledge on gangs. We're going to talk a little bit about that. Let's get a little bit started. Like, how, how did you, you know, what's your background? Well, first of all, I, I'm not an expert. Uh, I may know something a little bit more than someone in a class, but I just did a class for the Florida Gang Investigative Association, brand new, on a prison gang that's really going to be expanding throughout the country because we've just done a second round of indictments, federal indictments, and they're going to be shotgun throughout the United States. Okay. In getting prepared for the class and working with the ATF, we have members throughout the United States, including two sympathizers out of Alaska and two, believe it or not, in France. Wow. Florida. Worldwide. Such, oh, worldwide. Because Florida is so big of a state, and you know the joke, come here on vacation, leave on probation. Yeah. So many out-of-staters have done time here, and then as soon as they get out of the correctional systems, bang, they had it back to their home state, Tennessee, Oklahoma, Arkansas, Mississippi. I'm just giving you some of the states that we had tracked members. Combine that with the second round of federal indictments, and there's, a, there's another round coming. It'll probably be three or four years. That prison gang is going to be taking its place throughout the United States and out of Florida. It's unbelievable. So when I say one of my favorites, <laughs> it's, it's, it's all true because we're from up in the Northeast, neck of the woods. I'm from Maine. You're from Massachusetts. We have names for people like you, um, but we have a lot of this. So do you. <laughs> but we have we have we have a lot of very similarities as far as you know working in the same types of fields in law enforcement. So a little background on John. John's been doing gangs all the way since. When did you first start? In, in well, um, I was appointed as a part-time police officer, and believe it or not, 1977. I actually had yeah, I was my 10. I was appointment 10. papers. <laughs> I was uh, 19 in the small town of Berwicka, Mass. And next to Berwicka was the city of Lowell. Lowell still has a very strong chapter of the Hells Angels Motorcycle Club. We had two other smaller motorcycle clubs in the town of Berwicka. And back when I started, Lieutenant, later retired as a captain, basically gave me an understanding of what the job's going to be in a small town. Versus Boston, where I have uh, still have relatives on the Boston Police Department and Mass State Police. And the first question that he asked me was not my educational experience, what my aspirations were in the field. He pretty much asked me, kid, can you fight? Because back then, every night we were fighting. Brawl. 
There were brawls. Uh, the town of Borreca is the second largest land volume town in Massachusetts. Okay. And all of the surrounding cities and towns were either dry or closed their bars by one o'clock in the morning. Borreca was a two o'clock closing. And then we had an all night restaurant. Everybody came to you. Everyone came to us. Drunk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a Waffle House scenario. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> but the uh, the all night restaurant was called Sandy's, and it was uh, yeah, it was rather unique. Yeah, no, that's that's great. Going back into that, but I know you you also had a lot of experience in the correctional realm as well. You were a captain up there, and you you ran a very large facility. Uh, yes, I. Uh, the break of my life came in 1991. I was working for the Middlesex County Sheriff's Office uh, in Massachusetts. And then I received a job offer to go to the city of Boston. At the time, they were closing an antiquated Civil War prison known as Deer Island. Um, several local Boston personalities, who are now TV stars, did small bits there, as well as organized crime. You name it, they've done time at Deer Island. They were going to close that facility and open a brand new $110 million high-rise correctional facility. Wow. So it was transitioning from literally a Wild West show, because uh, my other experience in Massachusetts was at the state prison located in Walpole. The prison was so bad that they actually changed the name of the prison to Cedar Junction to try to get away from the reputation of Walpole. For example, the first week I was there, there was a homicide a uh, guy stabbed 47 times. His heart was literally almost carved out of his chest. So It's crazy. It's crazy. When you were in the correctional facility, we all know, for those of you who don't know, I, I worked in the sheriff's office for 31 years, and a, a large portion of my career was involved with gang, uh, basically eradication. And we're going to talk a little bit about that and how it how it's impacted the 239 and you know, southwest Florida. But in the correctional facility, do you get, like, first row seat to gang activity? Tell us a little bit about that. Sure. Back in the early 90s, when we started to see gangs, many municipalities wouldn't even allow the gang word to be said. We were doing training at that time. We were inundated at that, that stage in the gang culture, organized gangs, into the Latin King realm which many people in Florida don't understand, once we, law enforcement, started to take care of business and start locking Latin Kings up, both state and federally, many of the high-impact players fled Massachusetts and relocated to Florida. Yeah. And there are several older people that now uh, recall. A friend of mine just retired as the United States Marshal for Massachusetts, John Gibbons. John was a lieutenant in the Massachusetts State Police Gang Unit. John actually come down to Orlando and trained many officers, including Florida Department of Corrections and FDLE staff, on the Latin Kings. We reminisce now about the players that we were dealing with that were wreaking havoc in New England, and then they relocated to Florida. Well, that's the thing with Florida is so transient. So you get people from Chicago, New York, Massachusetts, and they all come down here. Why, why do you think they come to Florida? I mean, if you watch America's Most Wanted, and I'm sure you've used this line before, <laughs> If you watch America's Most Wanted back in the day, everybody was possibly headed to where? Florida. Florida, right? So. But we're the same as California. I had the privilege of going out to California in 95 for a couple of weeks, uh, guest of the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Office for gang training. And pretty much it started there. The Sunshine State, movie stars, um, theme parks. So California had pretty much the same metamorphosis as we're having now. Everyone is heading there for a change. A break. Look at how the other side lives. 
what I seen, and I was with people from Philadelphia, New York City, major eastern seaboard states uh, and cities, rough areas. When we seen what was happening in L.A., we were going, we're not ready for this. We just can't believe what was happening. And one of the things that we had seen was the expectation of most of the inner city youth, and it is all races and creeds. They had no expectations to live beyond the age of 25, 30 years old. That was it. That was it. Yeah. So you went for everything now. It just doesn't matter. Day by day by day. Correct. That's crazy. So let's talk a little bit about the 239, and we we call it 239 because it's 239 uncensored, right? So let's talk a little bit about 239 in Southwest Florida. What what does the gang situation look like? Could you kind of bring us from back in the 90s up to where we maybe are today? And I can fill in a little bit of that. Oh, yeah. You definitely had your hands full down here uh, before I got here. I had a couple of major federal cases, um, which utilized deportation as a way to curtail the activity. It was no different than in New England when we really got attacked by MS-13. Uh, we utilized the deportation big stick uh, in a very big way. And that worked out. It worked out to the point we were deporting them by the plane load out of Hanscom Air Force Base. Mm-hmm. And I gave a speech in Baltimore um, after a phase of Community Shield. And when I went after Virginia, which is a hotbed for MS-13 and 18th Street, um, I went after them. And, and it was during the summer of 2005 that our operation in New England, because I worked for the New England region, for my last three years with ICE, we had led the United States during that operation in the number of arrests of MS-13 and 18th Street gang members. And that was a very big surprise. It was uh, uh, for the East Coast Gang Investigative Association sponsored by McLaughlin. And it's some acronym for the Middle Atlantic States, but it's right. part of the risk network. It's, it's a bunch of law enforcement jargon that if, unless you're in the gang field and intelligence field, you may or may not have heard it. Uh, but that conference, you know, pretty much set the pace that see, Boston has that many because throughout the United States, yeah, we have gangs. Yeah, Take us to Naples. There's been many an evening. Uh, we wore the gang unit on our shirts to send the message because it does send the message. And we always get asked, are there gangs in Naples? Right. Well, it <laughs> keeps five of us busy and they pay us pretty good. So I hope there's still gangs around here. I like what I do. Step back a little bit too. You know, I was actually started in the gang unit. I I, I came through working youth relations, but then I started in the gang unit in 1996, 97, 98, 99. I became the Sergeant in 99. And we, we were, that was, I think it was like a tipping point. There was a, there was a point in Naples and Collier County, believe it or not, that if we didn't take action quickly, that these gangs would have probably taken over our community. There was a, a huge Mexican gang, La Raza. Uh, we, we used immigration, basically yes. Operation Razor. Uh, we got INS in. Back then it was INS. It wasn't ICE. We brought them in. They, you know, we, we ended up arresting like 23 of the larger major gang leaders of the gang. We deported them. We had, we had one guy as a gang member. He didn't even know how to speak Spanish. You go, he's going back. Oh yeah. yeah. Because we were like, we're, we're sending, we're sending you back. So I think we were right on the edge of whether or not Collier County was going to be taken over by gangs, but I, I'd like to always equate the gang thing. And I'm, I'm sure you've used this analogy before as well, but gangs are like cancer, right? So if you can get early intervention and treatment and get rid of those gangs and don't let them get out of control, that's the only hope you really have. And, and to go back to what you said, how you came through youth relations, um, we were totally separate up up in New England as far as working with school police. As a matter of fact, the 
Boston school police were very, very much ahead of the time. Uh, they identified the first couple of sets of legitimate gangster disciples in the city of Boston. But because they were school cops and not Boston cops, right. they weren't listened to. Segregated. Just the same as up in that part of the country. Oh, you're a correction officer. Yeah, you're, you're, probably, you're probably full of it because only the police officers know. Uh, that's come full circle now. Yeah. Thank God. Yeah. But going back to Collier County, there is a video clip that I still have of the Serenios tagging East Naples Community Park that went nationwide, and I utilized that video. I had no, I didn't even know what Collier County was at the time, Tim. Yeah. Um, but we seen what could happen in any part of the country when you get these natural gangs coming in. And when they tag, especially in areas where children play, they're sending a message, they're mocking territory. And as you just said, if you do not get ahead of it, you don't eradicate it, they're here and they're here to stay. And then they become generational. And it's much like I seen in California where the kids can trace their grandfathers wow. to the Maravilla gang or this gang. So they don't know anything else but. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Well, and I think, I think being aware because people will come up to me all the time and go, gangs in Naples. What are you freaking kidding me? Yep. And you know that. I mean, I'm I'm from Naples, and I was out teaching gangs in San Antonio, Texas, and Chicago. And but I think the processes, all they really wanted to know wasn't it wasn't anything to do with the gang itself. Did was what was the process of how you document, enforce, and eliminate that? That's what they were looking for. So yes. we we were on the forefront of that, and that really helped out. I think that, like I said, I, I keep going back to that tipping point. And what do you do when people come up to you and say we have gangs in Southwest Florida? Let's you know, say Lee County, you know, and Collier County. What do you what do you say to them? I mean, it depends. If it's a casual conversation, you know, we we try to break it to them gently. Yeah, of course. But really, going back to Massachusetts, most people have heard of Andover Mass and Phillips Academy and and the Uber Rich. And my general counsel for the Suffolk County Sheriff's Department at the time lived in Andover, and she was talking about gangs. And I go, Melissa. I'm going to show you some photographs of a liquor store complex located in your town, Andover. And they were horrified because wherever you go, there are gangs. It is no longer a counterculture. The music industry has been saturated. The clothing styles to where when you first started working gangs, when I did, you would see people in my neck of the woods wearing black and gold. Oh, they must be Boston Bruins fans. Right. But they were... <laughs> They were representing Latin Kings. Okay, yeah. Yeah, no, it's, 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 that's really good information. And then what's kind of like, what has changed? Let's kind of do like from 2000 to now, because I remember back when I did it, the gang members were very flamboyant. They used yes. to do the graffiti. They used to wear the colors. They'd have tattoos. How has that changed over the years, and where are we at now in 2001 or 21? For Collier County in this area here, they're very transient. You can't say, let's go to the corner of John's and 41 because at 7 o'clock they're going to be out representing. It's no longer the case. It has been the case for a long time. Uh, matter of fact, on Live PD, they were riding with a major gang unit, and they had, wish I could utilize that for training, even in, in Collier when there was some, not so much controversy, but gee, why aren't you guys hitting this area? Because they're not there anymore. They may live at, at 15 Franklin Street, but unless the rival team is going to come by and do a drive-by, 
They're not conducting gang business there. Right. So the most effective way to do it, and it was utilized even in Massachusetts, is traffic, believe it or not. Yeah. Get them on traffic, traffic stops. That gets you at least the intelligence who's hanging with who. Um, several nights just doing a traffic stop in Naples Manor. One night they all ran from the car. I got about four grand, $4,000 worth of narcotics, synthetic marijuana, Damn. cash. Yeah. Um, the kid's high school diploma, he just graduated two days before that. Um, and then when we looked into the family, the, the family's from a drug culture out of Everglades City. Um, Trella, and he's a member of not a national gang, but a local hybrid gang, has been involved in many shootings, suspected in two homicides in Collier, a uh, couple of rapes in Lee County, uh, specifically Cape Coral, because they utilize the Airbnbs to throw their parties. That's a good good thing to add yeah. in there. Yeah. And then the uh, the afternoon that we had spoken in broad daylight, on a Saturday afternoon at two o'clock two o'clock in the afternoon, eighteen shots ran out because this gang decided to exercise dominance over an apartment complex here in Collier County. Let me ask you this: What types of again, you talked about shootings and things like that? What are the gang members? into right now i mean is it is it more of loosely knit but really strong with the drug how 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 are they operating now well i think a lot of people are focusing their attention on narcotic sales and pretty much they're all dope gangs right um especially where pretty much marijuana for the sake of argument is legal we we would arrest key players impact players just to get a mitts on them so to speak gather intelligence but the state doesn't move forward with marijuana. Um, the sad part is they don't even move forward with the synthetic right. THC, which is still classified as a felony in the state and is very dangerous. So they're all drug gangs. Aside of that, it's still representation. It's still turf. It's still disrespect or respect. Um, several of our problems occurred over females <laughs> associating with team A and then flipping over to team B. Right. And then the social media has really exploded. And we utilized a couple of incidents, one out of Texas and one out of Boston, where the cyber banging was taking place, which led to a shooting later on in the evening. The next day, um, there was a major disturbance in Carson Beach in Boston. And it all started over one team trash talking the other team via the Internet. And it culminated in a, well, it have to be classified as a riot at a public beach. That's where they decided to exercise dominance. Now, with all the other stuff going on, the cutbacks in law enforcement, uh, something that, uh, because of my background with outlaw motorcycle gangs, we've been starting to say, listen, it's coming, because most people don't realize just about every state of, a part of the state of Florida has had major incidents with international outlaw motorcycle gangs. And I'm not talking beatings, I'm talking homicides. Several are still unsolved, and it's all control of turf, and they are organized crime on wheels. And right now, we have several major clubs challenging the outlaws, if I could mention the club's names, uh, which pretty much reign supreme in Florida for decades. Um, now they're being challenged by uh, gangs like the Mongols, the Pagans, which are strictly years ago mid-Atlantic states. Um, they have exploded nationwide. Their um, international leader has just uh, been locked up last month. He's got a couple other charges facing him, but he has revolutionized the pagans, much like Sonny Bogger did the Hells Angels. So they're here to stay. 
and they are in Lee and Collier County. The Mongols are in Lee and Collier County. And these are people that they relish the chance to fight law enforcement as well. Let me ask you this. So the normal citizen in Collier County, like myself now, I'm retired. I retired not long ago, back in April. It's good. Um, the normal citizen doesn't see this stuff. Doesn't oh, see no. this shit. Doesn't see none of it. Nope. So that's a good thing, I guess, because they're not impacting necessarily the community visually. How are you supposed to let people know about this? Or how, how if they're not, like, directly impacting the community now, how do we let people know, like, hey, listen, we need to pay attention to this shit because it's going to get out of control. Well, you just utilize the same reason why a lot of agencies are reluctant to turn that rock over. Right. First of all, we're driven by what's going on right now. So we could have Bloods and we can have Crips or the big national gangs or the outlaws. But last night we had two shootings tied in with two of our hybrid gangs. That's what we have to focus our attention on because also we're dealing with limited resources. So we have to focus on who's grabbing the headlines. I hate to use that term, but who's grabbing the headlines right now because they're the threat to the general public. The biker clubs look at them as a traditional organized crime outfit. So when you're dealing with a full patch member, and, and some of them are flashes in the pan, we're talking about members of motorcycle gangs that have, and they wear all the stuff on the, each club has a unique set of things that they wear. Um, and you need training just to, just to keep yeah, up with stuff. Yeah. Um, but if you're dealing with a member that has five or 10 years and they have, probably wear those anniversary pins on them, you're dealing with an apex predator. You're dealing with it and with an impact player that, and I hate to use the example, but pretty much everyone knows the movie Goodfellas. Mm -hmm. And they all get excited when Joe Pesci's going to get become a made guy. Because once he becomes a made guy, that made guy and his crew are pretty much untouchable. They're protected by that crime family. Motorcycle clubs are no different. You have a full patch member, and he could be an avid supporter of law enforcement, uh, sponsored toys for tots, but there was one major Hells Angel player in Massachusetts where Al Hogan controlled huge swaths of territory, including within the city of Boston, during the time when traditional organized crime was still flourishing. So they have that much power. So you could have one member have under their control anywhere from 50 to 250 individuals taking care of business on that member's behalf. No different than the, the mafia. In other words, if they're just because they're not visible doesn't mean they're not existing and they're not doing their, their thing. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So that's, that's, a, that's definitely a good thing. So John, I know you've been around law enforcement and, and for a long time and I, you know, I like to, you know, put, you know, put some of this, you know, the sirens on some good stuff. Um, have you got like any, like really like crazy stories that, you know, that you've seen shootouts. I mean, I've had some pretty good ones. We talked to the gang members and they, you know, I will tell you that I have gang members now that come up to me all the time. They're older. They got kids. They're like, Hey, deputy man, you, you were like, I'm glad you, you steered me in the right direction. And, and, oh, yeah. and, and I'm happy about that. But, you know, you, you, you kind of get a little bit nervous when they say that because you, you don't know if it's it's truly because it's it's in their blood. You know, it's in their system. I mean, do you, do you have any stories and impacts and things like that? I mean, there's, there's stories abound, but I'm I sure I'll tell you two things we get. And it's, it's a whole nother case that really we couldn't work it too much politics involved. But we get a guy that's transplanted from the Florida Department of Corrections. No ties to our region, little Oncoya County. Boom. He's dropped off at St. Matt's. Oh, shoot. Yeah. So now we get the release and we're going, he is the 
number one man for the Florida prison system in the state. What? And he's in Collier County. He's in Collier County. So, of course, we're going, are you kidding me? So we go interview him. And being from New England and having the knowledge, he's originally from Bridgeport, Connecticut. Okay. So I know all of his bosses, the people he ran with. So Mr. Shit. Well, that's exactly what happened. <laughs> the guys are with me. I'm taking his picture, and I'm not the toughest guy in the world, but I'll give it a go. Yeah. You know, it only hurts for a minute. Yeah. Um, so I'm grabbing him, and I like to put my hands on people, just not in a aggressive way, but professionally. Yeah. And I'm moving his arms because literally he was tattooed from head to toe. Omerta on his face and all of the other jazz on the face, which they call visual intimidation. Right. Well, later on, when they get a firearm pointed at their face, when they get stopped, and you go, well, isn't that what you wanted? You wanted visual intimidation? You got it. Yeah. Um, but because of the head game that I played with him, he was calling me several times like he wanted to be my friend. Like, hey, I, I, I got to be in Orlando for probation check. Can you get me a ride? Look at the photo. Are you kidding me? Freaking me. (laughs) Some of the crazy stuff with the bikers, and I'll I'll give you two. Um, There was a a series of incidents, and most of them not covered by the news media, dealing when the outlaws decided to come into Massachusetts. There was a brawl at Revere Beach, America's oldest beach. Revere. And And during that brawl, and by the way, the Mass State Police got a tip in that fight from an outlaw motorcycle gang member because they don't want to get too crazy right during the fight a death head the hell's angels patch was cut off a member's jacket those are big trophies that's a big deal the mongols member that was just nailed here in collier county last month had two of those trophies stitched inside of his cuts and another one just cut off a supporter of the outlaws freshly cut in his pocket those are those are war trophies so in that particular case, the story comes full circle because these guys await years for retaliation. And I like to do it in a very big and public way to exercise dominance. And that's the concern law enforcement needs to have because of its effect on the general public. It's, as you said, it's the real deal. Yeah, and I, and I know from experience, like these, these tats, like when people get tatted up and they get, you know, like I said, they have the jackets and the symbols, the signs. These things are like, they're like trophies and they mean a lot to every one of these. So I think if you, you know, most law enforcement agencies or a lot of law enforcement agencies, if, if they, they kind of like push it off the side and kind of like, it's not really impacting us right now. Uh, you know, a little bit of denial. I think that's like not a good position to be in. And we, you know, we've dealt with that before in the past. Yep. So I think we, I think the best thing is, you know, identify those, those folks and handle them, you know, lawfully and deal with it. You know, I just think that's the only way we could get rid of gangs. For the for the long term ones, it is it's not so much denial. Um, I'm tied in with the International Motorcycle Gang Investigators Association. So when they go in and do a threat analysis on a municipality, and they're talking about work on a case, most chiefs of sheriff, you know, when they say like one guy will go, yeah, it'll probably take us like two or three, and then they go like weeks. Yeah, and he goes no. months part of the other problem to most of them you have to go federally just for the funds yeah. um you got to be able to hop on an airplane like now because that's what they'll do to throw people off yeah very entrenched very deep well john i'd like to thank you 239 uncensored coming on <laughs> you know it's great we could probably sit here for hours i'm sure we got we're, we're, we're down to like 30 minutes but it seems like you know we could go just go on forever so i'm definitely yeah. you're always welcome to come back here you're just a wealth of knowledge a good friend 
And and again, I know we laughed at it, but you are one of my favorites for sure. And uh, you know, we just have so many similarities. And you you know, a lot of people that I know, we've kind of like went along the same lines, and we've always had a, a, a great professional relationship. So it's always good. But that, uh, so it's great. I appreciate it. All right, much. I love it. Yes, two three nine uncensored. Everything Southwest Florida and beyond. And we always say we're out. So we are out. out. Please make sure to download and listen to us on Apple, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Don't forget to like and share on social media. This has been a Studio 239 production. That was fun.